Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Today's guest is Rex Miller, founder and thought leader of MindShift, who will be speaking on Mastering Your Genius Potential, How to Achieve Genius Level Performance. Okay, all right. So, uh, first, thank you for taking time. And what I want to share with you is a tool that we've been working on that was really inspired because of the pandemic. So a big shift in my business, and this is Whitney Austin Gray with- Oh, I'm gonna do that too. Well certified. Whew. I work in public health, so I can talk all day about and <laughs> And I'll introduce the context uh, for Whitney being here as well. But one of the big changes in my business is I didn't travel anymore. And that meant all of my business used to be travel. So we had to do a very strong shift. Instead of flying in, doing workshops and seminars, it turned to coaching, a lot of coaching. And I've used the Clifton Strengths for about 20 years. So we've, we've done a lot in that area. And I work with a lot of companies. The International Well Building Institute is one where everybody has gone through this thing called the genius process. And uh, Google and Amazon and Facebook and lots of projects. But what I started seeing coaching hundreds of people is that morale dropped dramatically. <clears throat> a lot of it is because the calculus for happiness had shifted. My project's no longer here, I can't see my friends, promotion, all those extrinsic or external things began to go away. And so then it was a lot of frustration, what am I doing? And I started asking people, what's your purpose? You know, why, why do you do what you do? Had zero answers. Because we were so used to being on the treadmill, and when the treadmill stopped, we had to really look at ourselves. And a lot of us had a hard time. So in using the strengths, one of the things that popped up in the research is that there's this thing called the genius factor. And this was research NASA did in the 60s and an individual by the name of George Land developed a creativity assessment to find out the best and brightest for the, uh, for the space program. Of course, you want some creative people if something doesn't go right in space. They need to be able to, to do that. But it was the kind of assessment that was images and shapes. So it wasn't, so anybody who could see an image could take it and he gave it to 1,600 preschoolers. What they found is 98% of them tested as geniuses. And then he thought, I'm going to do a longitudinal study. And so he tracked them up until their adulthood. By age 15, guess how far it had dropped? It had dropped from 98% to 12%. By age 30, from 12% to 2%. And in assessing another 280,000 adults, it's about 2%. So what that means is that by age 30, only 2%, we were all once geniuses, and 14,000 hours of structured industrial age education, and having to fit in and take average tests, we lose that essential element that makes us unique, happy, and powerful. So the Clifton Strengths in 2000. So in the last 20 years, there's been huge breakthroughs in an area called positive psychology. Dr. Seligman is considered the father of positive psychology. 
and Donald Clifton Strength Psychology. I started using the Clifton Strengths in 2000 during a very low point in my life and beginning to rekindle and figure out, understand what I naturally do best and enjoy most. So one of the things is the assessment is not a personality test. It's not like DISC that gives you communication styles or Myers-Briggs. It's measuring your strongest neuropathways, another way to say it, what you naturally do best and enjoy most. Most people have a fuzzy understanding, but not a clear understanding of what that is. And what we found, what I found in coaching is that there's a chemical side to that as well. When you're tapping those strongest parts of your brain, you're releasing dopamine. When you get into that flow state, it's endorphins. When you tap into those strengths that are relational, it's serotonin and oxytocin. So I started seeing over the past two years with my people, helping them understand their strengths, play to their strengths, and then what we wanted to do is help them recraft what they look like at their best in a portrait. So we have a process and it's free, so if anybody sends me your top five Clifton strengths, we'll send you the template called the Genius Portrait. And you create this unique paragraph of what you do and then we use performance science and Whitney will talk a little bit about the neuro-linguistic parts of programming in terms of telling yourself, giving yourself a vivid word picture of what you look like at your best and your brain gradually beginning to gravitate to the things, it's like radar. It's like when you're, like when my son wanted a Mini Cooper in high school and we'd drive to, to school and he saw four of them every time I didn't see one. It's that selective awareness side of it. So I've been working with this process. We're going to be releasing a minimum, we're gonna be re releasing an app in January, it's free. And then we've got a facilitators portal. But one of the companies we started working with is the International Well Building Institute. And we started taking them through the analog version, the manual version using our Google Docs. And so what I'd like to turn over to Whitney is have her share a little bit about what the user experience was like. And part of the reason we developed this is that before when I was doing the training, it was dependent on my expertise of unpacking someone's strengths. And we called it the magic trick because uh, Stan's in here and others. When I sit down and look at your strengths and unpack, I know things about you that will shock you and that surprise you. And that's not scalable. I mean, that's 16,000 people I have coached and done with this. That's the 20,000 hours of mastery. We can't scale that. And so I needed to find a way that anybody could do it, any manager could implement it, and it's simply a facilitation process. So Whitney, when, when we introduced it, why don't you share a little bit of your background and then your use and then how you've used it in the teams as kind of a, this is a live surviving person through the process. Um, hi everyone. So Whitney Austin Gray from the International Well Building Institute. I lead research there and so my background is in public health. And I think that before COVID, I call it BC times. Um, I'm also a new mom of a toddler. So I also consider it before children. So BC times, the workplace was largely built for one kind of person. And we know this from research. This is pretty much a 45-year-old male. And not just your thermal comfort males and what you wear, wore to work, because 
basically IEEE, which is who led the development of thermal comfort studies, which went to informed ASHRAE. Many people don't realize those original studies on thermal comfort were actually done on engineering students because they were free and they were 18 years old, and a lot of our thermal comfort standards actually came from that research. That's just one of the elements of how workplace was designed for one kind of person. In this situation, men. But also, it was designed for people that maybe didn't have to balance taking care of a loved one, a parent at home, or didn't have to balance travel or children. And it was this idea that you work nine to five as one type of person, and you don't have different needs of when you eat, how much you eat, what you eat, when you socialize, when you come into work, how you focus, how you don't focus. And it almost supported the idea that we should just kind of be more similar than different. And amongst many things that I hope we learn this pandemic, um, and one of the leading ones is how connected our health is, is really celebrating how different we are. And so the genius portrait for me was not saying, can you please, as a woman executive, be the things that we said BC supported you to be elevated into this office environment or this company, but rather what are the things you do very well and what are the things that other people do on your team very well? And actually, how do you create a resilient company by celebrating your difference in the type of people that you have in the workplace? This also came at a time where we were in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, it must have been like February. It was just cold and the vaccines were not fully rolled out and it's a pretty damn intense time. And anyone that says it wasn't, I don't think is really being open to how intense that was. And the idea of how do you get inspired to do the work that, even the work we love, much less a lot of people feeling like they weren't inspired by the work going into it. And the genius portrait for me was a way of saying, how can you actually celebrate what you were good at? Not ENTJ. I don't want to know if you're introvert or extrovert or this or that. I want to know the five things you're best at and what are the five things my team member and my other team member is best at to create a resilient workforce. And so we actually sat down with Rex, we took our five strengths and we went through an exercise that takes 10 minutes. You can do it your team, a wider team, and you actually sit through taking your strengths and coming up with an element of your strengths and actually writing that down and practicing saying this. So one of my strengths is I'm a wooer. That's an official word, by the way. I did not it, even make this up. It stands for winning others over. So. so I'm loving this right now, guys. I like haven't even been able to do this for a while, but I love connecting with people, right? So as a wooer, one of my strengths is connection, but I get a lot of energy from being able to share. I know this to the point where I actually have now, and I long have, put it as part of my day because I need that upper. I need to connect. And when I say upper, I'm very intentional about that comment. So from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, you actually are training your brain to say, this is not only something that I like, it's something I'm very good at. And I'm ready for my dopamine hit. I don't want a pill. And there, I can give you stat after stat. I mean, somewhere between 4% reporting, you know, depression, that was actually upwards of 10 BC before COVID, upwards of 40, 50, and that's only people necessarily reporting it, not those that are under-reporting it. So the idea that I'm gonna take a magic pill or a bottle of wine or drugs is very real and very much in our consciousness. If that's not happening to you or someone you love, right? This is part of the world we're living in, this idea that you can actually take neuro-linguistic programming, focus on the thing that you are very good at and intentionally train your brain to show up to do it, to literally get what I would call the dopamine hit, which is that feeling you get that I'm getting right now from you that's like, this 
this is it. This is something that's going to charge up my day. And the reason, I'm going to turn back over to Rex here in a second, coming from the Wellbuilding Institute and research on health and well-being, if you are not filling up your tank now, there will come a time and you are going to be asked to take a very long trip and there is nothing in the tank. You haven't slept your kids are demanding things, your spouse, your partners, your friends, everyone is anxious, people are crazy drivers lately, um, you haven't been eating great food, you've been drinking too much, like that just takes the tank little by little by little until one day there's just nothing there and someone asks you one small task and you realize you're now going through burnout because you can't even process one small task. So what's so powerful for me about this work um, is it gives you a directed approach, it's very positive, it's positive for your team, it celebrates diversity in a time which I think we deeply need to think that the future of work is going to be about the resilience of our workforce and what we all bring to it. And not just a nine to five beige on beige 45 year old male um, sort of situation of the BC office of the past. And actually getting very serious that your intentionality and neurolinguistic training can actually program your brain to help fill the tank up. And I think that is so much more powerful coming from the field of public health than a pill is right now. And so maybe I'll turn it over to Rex to sort of talk a little bit about how to do that, to sort of talk through some of the steps and maybe even talk about some of the funny experiences of people sharing ways they thought they were genius or not. <laughs> they can come out in this process. So the process is simple. You can do it yourself. But what we've done is we've taken the 34 Clifton strengths and we've identified eight traits that help you personalize and tailor it. And it's just a color by number. You pick a trait, you assemble it into a paragraph. We've also done the kryptonite version. So you've got the superpower, and then there's the kryptonite. Now, one of the things that is really was interesting for me when I started developing it, that with the Clifton strengths, what came out with the new system is that I'm really a deep introvert. I'm a deep thinker, I, I recover going into my head. And so here's one of the stories about how you recover. My son and I were traveling doing workshops and we had a very tough client in Culver City. Now my son has several relating strengths. He gets his tank filled by talking and telling stories and connecting and getting that interpersonal vibe. Whitney gets her vibe through group dynamic and just coming alive and reading the room. Those are instincts that we oftentimes don't realize that we have or, we, or we've gone through 14,000 hours of school and we, we just discount them. My instincts are around cognitive areas and then I have one relating strength. So after the end of the workshop, my son is in the background. He's not able to interact with people. He's just there to help people. So that's work. That was effort for him. It didn't come natural. He wanted to interact. So when you can't tap your strengths in, you, it's effort. We call it, it's a draining element. Some of you can think of certain things that, drain, expense reports drain me. I'm, I'm a high level thinker. They just drain the living daylights out of me. Fortunately, I have someone on my team who loves to bring order to chaos. That's what you'll also find. There's 33,600,000 different ways you can show up with your top five strengths. So we get in the car. I go silent. My son, who has these 
intuitive relating strengths is picking up on nonverbal cues. That's what those relating strengths do. They're really good at nonverbal cues. So what's the nonverbal cue he's picking up on? Dad's not saying anything. I must have screwed up. Now, it doesn't mean he read it right, but so he's smart. We have these when we disconnect these rules of engagement. And he said, Dad, why'd you go from engaged dad in the workshop to boring dad in the car? And I thought for a minute, I said, that's really a great question. I said, because this group was hard. I have one relating strength. I spent it with that group. Now I'm going into my head to recover, but I wanted to regain my energy. So I tapped into one of my cognitive strengths called learner, which is also the curiosity strength, and it's automatic. So what did I start doing? What did you like? What did you see? Who was engaged? All of a sudden, dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. So in a little bit of time, I'm re-engaged. Then both of our relating strengths connect because now we feel comfortable with each other. By the time we got back to the hotel, we went to BJ's across the street. We had a great time. Now, the other scenario would have been silence in the car, right? And how many meetings? Silence in the meeting, you go away saying, that guy's an asshole. Um, so silence in the car, he goes up stairs, thinks dad's a jerk, comes downstairs, and then it's a little frosty in the morning when we get together. You, you ever, this gives rules of engagement, understanding strengths, knowing how to shift them. It's been a real shift through, through the pandemic on learning how to play to your strengths. And the process is simple. Take the Clifton Strengths, we get nothing for that, it's 20 bucks. Uh, ask for the template that we provide, it's free. Go through and pick the bullet points that you think best describe you on a great day and the ones you think get you in trouble. That's the kryptonite side. Create a paragraph, read it once a day. That's that neuro-linguistic programming that Whitney was talking about. We put it under performance science. So we do a lot with resiliency. This is one of the six disciplines in post-traumatic growth that we train. Uh, I'm also a certified tennis professional. And as you know, as anybody who follows me on LinkedIn, I'm a biohacking geek. I've got more gadgets on me. I just, my metabolism gadget, I just stopped 60 days there. I've got a hyperbaric oxygen chamber at home. This is stuff I take seriously. Uh, so. If you've got any questions, mm -hmm. please feel free to ask. I think we're at the end of our time. No, two minutes. We've got two minutes for questions or reactions or responses. How many have taken the Clifton Strengths? Okay, you're 80% oh, nice. there. Yeah. Uh, RexMiller.com. Rex, it's www.rexmiller.com. Uh, I'll also provide a free digital copy of our uh, resiliency workbook so I've got to put the coupon code in but you'll go back and put Cornet and then you'll get it free download but follow me on LinkedIn that's where you see daily stuff posted on this and and you know I'm 66 and planning to be around till I'm a hundred doing this stuff so you know I'm, I'm planning for that fourth quarter of life yeah any questions yeah It was a dysfunctional, toxic team. So I'm typically called in to provide adult supervision for leaders that can't get along. Um, that's, that's my job. They, they, 
they didn't want to play well together. They had issues with themselves. They were elephants in the room. So we had to get them to a point where they, and they did. We got them to a point where they could talk about it. But it was work for me. Um, so typically, and I do large projects as well. Uh, my background, since 1978, I was a project manager, Southwestern Bell. So a lot of the work I do is project related. And we do it on the front end. We try to get it right on the front end. The first 100 days of a project is make or break. And then uh, when projects go south. And about half my projects, I'm in the front end. The other half, people wish I came in on the front end because it goes south. But so that's I, 20 I minutes. Add, I was going to add one comment that I want everyone to take home because Rex was the first person to tell me as a public health research scientist that we are all dealing with trauma. So you're either level one, so it's acute, or you're chronic, but you haven't gotten away from it. So we are now in it and we are studying you all. And what's very, very different is that for the first time, we're actually can't quite get out of the event of trauma. We keep pulling out and getting yanked back in and trigger. pulling out and getting... So these trigger events pull us back in. And right now, if you don't have a plan in place, and we're always forming it. This is an evolution. We're figuring this out. But what is our plan in place for true resiliency and recovery? We're going into winter again. And again, I will tell you a lot. I can tell you all day long about pathogens and aerosolization because I work with the well-building standard. But what's so important about this work, and I was sort of joking a little bit with Rex, is like, remember 10 or 15 years ago about mindfulness? Remember we like weren't allowed to talk about that at conferences because people were like, mindful, so I don't know what that is. And now it's like, do you have a plan? Are you doing it? Are you waiting for someone else to give the plan? And we are in trauma right now. We are managing trauma. And I think what's really powerful is I don't want to hear about everything the company is doing wrong. I don't want to hear about how unbelievably like difficult everything is. I want a moment where you celebrate what you're good at, what your team is good at, how you're resilient, how you recover, what is your strategy. And where I'm seeing a lot of teams bring in like mental health, you know, training programs. And that's really powerful stuff. There's a space for that. But I think for us, and we actually ran this International Building Institute at a time when people are very sensitive, dealing with trauma in their lives, is that there's also a real space for strength and space for genius. So thank you so much, everyone. Appreciate so this. Go recover your genius. You know, it's there. It just got beat out of you in school. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org content to submit your idea.